Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you in, in deep gratitude that you have sent your Son to save us. We come before you in deep gratitude that you are indeed our Savior. So, Father, we also ask that your Spirit move and have authority in our hearts right now to hear your word, to respond to what you are calling us to do. And, oh God, transform us. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Over the years, I've enjoyed uh, learning about different generations of people. And if you haven't figured out, um, different people act different ways based on how the culture, uh, how they've been brought up. And there are cultural things that are important to certain ages of people that are less important to other age groups of people. And, and my generation, of course, which is the best generation, but we're not the greatest generation. And if you're familiar with Tom Brokaw, he used to be on NBC News, I believe, uh, years ago. He, he wrote a book called The Greatest Generation. And I do think he got it right, by the way. Uh, he, he carved out a group of people uh, that were born uh, and, and grew up and lived during World War II and, and the Great Depression and lived through that. Uh, and, and as he describes this generation, he would go, well, he would go and interview them in order to describe them. Uh, I'm going to read a, a, a paragraph of a write-up of his book. It says, inspired by the veterans he met June 6, 1944, at the 50th anniversary celebration of D-Day, he interviewed dozens of them all across the country. The more he talked with them, the more he became convinced that they possessed qualities of character seldom seen in any other generations of America. And so he dubbed them the greatest generation because of the character of this group of people. Now, these, this group of people today uh, would probably be 100 years old. So I don't think we have any of them with us today. Uh, you may have some in your family. You can probably attest to some of these things. But here are the characteristics that he gave for those uh, people of the greatest generation. Number one, a sense of responsibility. Whereas today, oftentimes we want to find someone to blame, someone else to blame for our problems. He gives the story of a, of a soldier who was shot uh, in World War II. And he said... As opposed to blaming someone else and it blinded him. He got shot in the temple and it led him permanently blinded. Rather than this man saying, well, uh, if I hadn't been called to war or if that guy hadn't shot me, he said, I knew I was standing too tall on the field of army, uh, on the field of battle where I was. He owned up to his own fault. And then he lived his life after that. Secondly, was a commitment to marriage and family. This generation, and you see the, the faithfulness, even when it was difficult for people to remain steadfast in their relationship to their husband or wife, they did that. Thirdly, a strong work ethic. They had lived through the Great Depression. They knew the value of a dollar. And they knew that, uh, that hard work was what got them through those times, and those instilled values carried them through. And finally... Faith in God and in the future. 
This was an optimistic generation that was able to see that God brought them through the, the difficulties of the war. Many of them on the battlefield or even homeside taking the jobs of the men who went off to war. But they saw how faithfully God provided through the war, through the depression, and they believed that God still would provide. And that the culture that we lived in in the United States of America was intended to bring blessing and hope to uh, families that could together do something good together. The greatest generation. Now, I don't know. How many of y'all grew up with somebody or know somebody a part of this generation? Can I see a few hands this morning? Okay. Uh, does that all sound about right? They didn't have everything right, for sure. But, but those values. Here's what I'm thinking. As we think together about the greatest generation and being in the presence of greatness. What we find in Daniel chapter 3 this morning is. That even the greatest, if you will, generation cannot hold a candle to the greatness of God, to the greatness of God. And when you compare things, there are superlatives like that's fantastic, that's stupendous, that is great. But when you put the est on the end, you have said that it stands above all others. It is the greatest generation. Well, this morning, what we're going to see is Nebuchadnezzar is going to have an experience where he understands that God is the great est God, the God above all gods, the Lord above all lords. And I hope that this morning as we leave, you will affirm that same thought as well. Daniel chapter three is where we are. Daniel chapter three, we're going to begin in verse 16. I hope you have your Bible today. Last week we left them, uh, Daniel, and, and the, the message last week was about taking a stand. About culture around us often calls us to make a decision. What do we believe? What are we going to be punished for or be rewarded for? Do we truly believe those things? And as a family, my family last night, I asked them. I said, if someone came in and we were in Nigeria which we talked about last week. Remember, all of you look around, that many people are probably going to die this month in Nigeria for their Christian faith. Our brothers and sisters. If they came to our house tonight, I asked them last night, what would you do? Would you say, well, I I can do more good if I just lie and get out of it and then keep doing stuff. And one of my sons, I can't remember, he said, I I don't feel like it'd ever be right to, to say that I don't love God. Will you take a stand? And we we jump into this story, Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they answer to the king. And they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known. O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Here are three young men that answered like one of my sons. It's never right to disown the name of my God. And whatever it costs me, it will cost me. But I'm going to be faithful to my God. Continuing in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Not only was he angry that they defied him, but he put that into action and turned it up seven times hotter. Verse 20, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So not only was he going to throw them in the fire, but he wasn't going to let them move or put up a fight as they did. He bound them up and they cast them into the fiery furnace. Now, as we read the Bible, these are things that we must think through. And as we sang the song this morning, glory in the darkest place. This is an instance which God did not choose to keep them from the fire. And there are times that you and I have to remember, church, that, that for our Nigerian brothers and sisters this morning and this month and this year, he's not keeping them from death. He is a God who allows difficulties in our lives. And so many times we hear, how could God? Or why are you doing this? And if we come back to what the scripture teaches and we humble ourselves as as Jesus commanded us to do, to humble ourselves like a child and say, Lord, what are you trying to do in this to proclaim who you are? Not just to keep me comfortable or keep me, even keep me alive. We have a quite a different perspective. I read this verse last week and I'll read it again. Sometimes Jesus calls us to die. He said this in Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? For us in life, most of the time, it will cost us something to be a Christian. And we, in this country, in this culture, we've got it a whole lot easier, y'all, than than our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, in China, around the world. In cultures that aren't as friendly to us. But Christianity is not just that about people around us. It will cost us something. It costs you to come in here and worship God. Everything you do as a Christian, there is a cost to Are you willing to pay the price? Let me give you an illustration. Uh, My wife and I have watched, uh, over the years, we've watched a show called Survivor. And Survivor is a show about people who have to outlast people on this island. And somebody gets voted out every week. Many of you are probably familiar with it. But you um, you have to either stab people in the back and lie to them. Or you have to be really friendly to them to stay around until the very end. Well, it got to uh, one we've watched recently. It got to the place where uh, there were three characters left. One of them was the really nice guy that everybody liked. And there were two people that were, were backstabbers. One of them really the ringleader that no one liked. But he had done all of the strategy to get himself and the nice guy to the end. Well, at the end, the nice guy had to make a decision. I'm probably going to beat this girl because nobody likes her, but she hasn't really done any, done much. She's just been a troublemaker. 
or I've got to take this guy with me that nobody likes, but he's, he's done all of the strategy to get to the end, and he's been really the boss of everybody. And he knew that he'd probably win if he took her, and he probably wouldn't win if he took this guy. And so he had a decision to make, and, and the decision he ultimately said, he got in front of the group and he said, I chose this guy because I teach people. I'm a martial arts instructor, and what I teach people is this. Stand by your values, keep your commitments, and I've committed to him. And if you're going to go into a fight, you don't back down from the greatest threat. You stand up and you fight, and if you win, then you're the greatest. You don't, beat, you don't win by choosing a lesser opponent. And he had his core values, and in the end, he took him, and at the final vote, guess who they chose to win? The million dollars. They chose the other guy. And they asked him after. They said, all right, who would have voted for her if you'd have chosen her? And they all would have chosen him. And they said, how does that make you feel? And he paused for a moment and he looked out and he said, I stood by my convictions. My character was true. I'm not a perfect man, but I, I abided by everything that I said I would abide by until the end. How do I feel? I feel like I did what I was supposed to do. I said, but it's a million dollars. He said, I did what I was supposed to do. It cost him something. And Christian, I'm here to tell you something. How many, and this guy was not a believer that I could see. How many of us are willing to say, I know it's going to cost me. But the words of my Savior said, take up my cross, deny myself, and follow him. I'm willing to do that whatever the cost. Even to my own hurt, I'm willing to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you there? Are you there, Christian? That is where we're called to be. That is the kind of devotion that Jesus is calling us to live out. Daniel chapter 3, verse 21. Let's pick it up again. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their garments. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent. And the furnace overheated. And the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Now, let me stop as a moment before we, just a quick note. I want you guys to remember, Daniel is not a book to elevate Daniel. It's not a book for us to go, man, Daniel was a great guy. It's not a book to elevate Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, I meant all that I said. We need to follow and be devoted and take a stand. Yes, all that is true. But ultimately, Daniel is not about men. Help me out, church. What is Daniel about? I can't hear you. Help me out again. Daniel is about what? It's about God. And about God doing something. Who gave Daniel the interpretation to the dream last chapter? And who did Daniel praise after he received that vision or that interpretation? He praised God. And he wanted everybody to know, especially the king, I can't interpret this for you. God can't. Who's about to save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
God is not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the bound into the fire? And they answered the king, Yes, sir, yes, sir. True, king, yes, sir. And he answered and said, But I see four men, and they're unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and, and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is, is like the sun of the gods. Let me give you a few thoughts here, y'all. The dead men, quote unquote, Rakshak and Benny, the dead men were brought to life in the fire. The bound men became free in the fire. The alone men were joined by the presence of another in the fire. And I want to ask you if you see some parallels going on here. People who were dead to rights, they were dead, there was nothing they could do, were walking around alive and well. I don't know if it, what you think about when you hear this story, but here's what I think about. I think about me being dead in my trespasses and sins, but being brought to life by the Spirit of God. I was dead in my trespasses. I was owned by sin. Had I died in sixth grade, I would be in hell today. But God saved my soul. He brought me to life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 9 and 10 says this. 2 Timothy 1, 9 and 10. God saved us and called us to a holy calling... Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been made known through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Watch this. Who abolished death and brought to life and immortality to light through the gospel. He abolished death and he brought life to us. I was dead in the furnace. God brought me to life. Ephesians 2. Y'all know this one. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in the furnace, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up and seated with him in the heavenly places. Y'all, I was in the fire. And God saved my soul. Can I get an amen? Anybody affirm that? How about this? They were bound. And what happened? They went to the furnace bound. And what did he notice? They were free. They were walking around free. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God. We, we just studied this. This is 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are from God. And the whole world lies in what? Y'all don't see it up there. In the power of the evil one. It lies in bondage to the evil one. This whole world is slave to the power of sin. 
and darkness. But we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we can be free. So that we can know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, His Son, Jesus Christ. If you read Romans 6, I encourage you, you write it down, you want to read something this week. Romans 6 talks about the freedom that God has given us from sin. But notice, they, they weren't free and they didn't run out of the furnace or jump out of the furnace. What did they do? They were hanging out with number four, weren't they? They were hanging out. If you were in a furnace... What would be the first thing you would want to do? Get out of that furnace. (laughs) Right? That wasn't the first thing on their list. They noticed that number four was in there. And so they said, all right, let's chill with number four. That's more important than getting out of here. When we get out of here, number four may be gone. God has called us to freedom from our sin, not to go do whatever we want to do. But to have fellowship with one before. Right? To have fellowship with one who looks like the Son of God. Who you think that was? Right? God has called us, Christian, to love and fellowship with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Somebody asked me this week. I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Have you all seen Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ? I remember going to a theater with Allison, and I don't know who else went with us, but I remember walking out of that theater. You didn't go? Okay. She didn't want to go. I remember walking out of the theater going, I, I never want to watch that again. Ever. 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 It was, it was brutal. And it was like watching your best friend being beat up. and It was horrible. When you have fellowship and know somebody, to watch that. And every Easter, when I read the Easter story, y'all, it is, it is difficult reading the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know him. Now, he's not like historical figure. That's, that's the Jesus that I pray to every day. It's hard to read what they did to him. We're not free to just be free. and you know, that's, that's a misunderstanding of freedom. We are free to know Jesus Christ and have fellowship and dwell with Him. And that's what they did. And finally, they were brought to life or they were kept alive, made alive again, if you will. They were unbound. They were freed. And then they were with somebody. Uh, Look at John 14, verse 16 and 17. This is that, that fellowship we have with God. Look... Jesus is not here today, y'all. I don't know if y'all have noticed. We celebrate the coming of Jesus. At the beginning of Acts, he is ascending to heaven. And he's gone. 
But that's not the end. Look, look in John 14, 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you. How long? Anybody have it? To be with you forever. You see that the, the Spirit of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ in the New Testament. The Spirit of Christ is to be with us perpetually. He's not going away. Even the Spirit of truth, whom you cannot receive, because it neither sees whom the world, rather, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither knows him nor sees him. You know him, for he dwells with you and in you. Y'all, he's just as he dwelt with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the new covenant day and age. And today, God's presence is with us. The Spirit of Christ is in us. And that is why we are different. That is why we bear fruit unto God. Let me read. Let me finish this story. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. And he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. I wonder why he didn't ask the fourth to come out. Come out here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had, uh, had, not had any power over the bodies of those men. Amazing. This is a miracle. God is working here. Right? I didn't hear you. God is working here, right? God is working. And we look back and we go, God did that. Amazingly, they threw them into the hottest fire that that was humanly possible. Killing people that even got close and God did that. It didn't have any powers over those men because God wanted to show that Nebuchadnezzar, you have all this power and you think you're great, but you are not the greatest. Who was the greatest fighter of all time? At least he said he was. Who was it? Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah, remember that? I'm the greatest. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. Is he? Is he? Okay. Nebuchadnezzar. I'm the king of the world. He might as well have been on the front of that boat with Leonardo. I'm the king of the world. Is he? In one moment, God said, you're not the greatest. Watch. In one moment, just a chapter earlier, God said, you don't know anything. Watch. I'm going to trouble you with this dream. God is God, church. Now, is it any different today? Joe Biden, king of the world? No. Is President Xi, king of the world? No. How about Trudeau up in Canada? King of the world? No. Elon Musk? King of Twitter? Not king of the world. I want to close in reminding you 
There is but one king of kings. And his name is Jesus Christ. We celebrate him this morning. We celebrate him every first Sunday of the month. That he died for us. That he was buried. That he rose again to bring us new life. To bring us out of the furnace. And Christian, let me remind you. That furnace is hotter than Nebuchadnezzar's furnace. That eternal furnace that God has created for those who reject his son. But praise be to God for all who would believe on him. They will be rescued for all who would repent and believe they will be rescued from the furnace. They will be brought into the presence of the fourth. They will be brought into the presence of the living God for all eternity. And Christian, if that's not reason to rejoice, I'm not sure what is. We celebrate Christians Christmas as Christians because we have a savior who delivered us from the furnace. And we have a savior who is willing to walk in the furnace with us. And to drink down to the dregs that cup of God's wrath. And so Christian, I encourage you. Remember from whence you have come. Remember the darkness that was so heavy around you. And remember the light that you see and that you saw in Jesus Christ when he delivered you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light church. You are rescued from the furnace. You are redeemed. And so church, go fellowship with the fourth. Go fellowship with the son of God. And live your life not free to do whatever you want, but free and able to serve your king. Let's pray together. Father, we delight in your goodness. Father, we delight in the salvation that you have wrought to us. We delight in the truth that you are our Savior, that you are the Lord. And Father, as the the cost comes to us, and as the price sometimes must be paid, may we be willing to say, you are worth it. May we be willing to give ourselves unto you, O God. And may we echo the words of Nebuchadnezzar. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Blessed be the God of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to close this morning with Psalm, two Psalms. Jeff read one of them this morning. I'm going to close with another. We serve the greatest God. I didn't get an amen on that. We serve the greatest God. He is high and exalted. And he is a God who rescues. Psalm 50 verse 14 says this. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon Him in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you, says the Lord. And listen to the last part. And you shall glorify me. You got that? If you've been delivered today from the furnace, 
Your job is not over. It is your job to go and to do what, church? To glorify Him. He said, call to me. I'll deliver you. Go and glorify me. Let my cry come before you, O Lord, Psalm 119 says. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you and deliver me. And then my lips will pour forth praises. My tongue will sing your words. My hand will be, let your hand be ready to help me. For as long as your salvation, O Lord, is my delight, my soul will live and praise you. That's the man that's been delivered. I'm going to glorify, praise, worship, sing, and honor my God. Church, let's do that together. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. You may need your hymnal. Oh, I surrender all. Most of you probably know it. If you don't, uh, it's in there somewhere. Let's sing together. I surrender all.